Hey NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe here for another episode of the NAI F-Ball podcast. We have for you tonight Joel Penner, the head coach of the Dort Defenders, uh, first time playoff entrance from 2020. Coach, how you doing tonight? Corey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's our pleasure. Last season when we when we talked, you were really uh, you were really high on your high on your squad and building on um, you know a couple of, of good years of of GPAC um, you know results and by gum it came together a little bit this year, didn't it? Yeah, we we had uh, some good progress. It was like everybody, it was a, a year for the ages. I mean, we're all gonna we're all gonna look back some sometime when we're old and we're gonna say how how on earth did did that all work? How do we how do we make it through it? What were we doing playing football in March and April? And um, yeah, so we, we we felt really good about the progress we made as a team this year. And yeah, it was it was special. I think being split over the fall and the spring was strange enough. But you know, we were in that spot where we didn't know if the fall would lead into the spring. When we ended our fall season we were seven and two it was an impressive seven and two but seven and two doesn't usually get you in in our league and so uh, we we played the uncertainty game for five months while we waited you know for uh selection sunday so uh, lots of uncertainty but man lots of growth and opportunity for our guys to uh to come together in, in a special way a couple of questions uh about that um at, at what point did you realize that you could have a playoff team on your hands? Well, I, I believed that um, last summer when we spoke that this was a playoff caliber football team. As you know, playoff caliber football team doesn't always make the playoffs. That's sometimes the way it works. And we knew there were things that had to happen. Um, we had to finish one or two. And uh, we didn't do that, you know. Um, we came so so close. I mean, it's painful to think about how many, it, it was literally five yards from a share of the conference championship, but um, we knew that there's a top 16 effort that was going to be made. And I think the hard part was figuring out how, how do we, how do we go from November, not, you know, not, not playing when the rest of the country is going to start playing. How do we continue to demonstrate that we, we are a playoff team. So, but yeah, I think I think last summer I knew that this is a top sixteen program, and but but it didn't mean that we would get in the playoffs. And and then at what point, um, between that last game and uh, and and spring, did you realize we're gonna need to we're gonna need to add a game or two here? Yeah. So. <clears throat> I guess backing up a little bit, I, it was November, I think 21st, something like that. And we were, we had just finished our fall season at Briarcliff and, you know, we had a tremendous, um, two shutouts, at, you know, to end our season. Um, after the Morningside loss, our guys decided we weren't done playing great football. And so we just, we played great. And, uh, I remember telling them guys, I think, I think we got about a 10% chance and that puts us in a really, really long wait and see game. Uh, but I think it's about 10%. And so our strategy then in the winter months was I was making phone calls, sending emails, 
asking folks, you know, hey, I know it's hard to put stuff on the calendar right now, but would you be interested if, you know, dot, dot, dot. And I didn't get any, I guess, real favorable yeses that, that we would play. I had a whole bunch of maybes, and I think we were all in the same spot where we said, well, let's, first off, let's confirm that the NAI is going to execute a playoff in the, in the spring. Um, and then secondly, let's just make sure that uh, our teams are healthy and ready to go and our schools are on board and all that. So what we did was we said we're going to really look at that first ranking. And I think that first ranking, if my memory serves me, was the end of February, uh, mid-February, somewhere around there. Um, and if we were ranked favorably in that first ranking of the year, then I think we would have just tried to find scrimmages because we would have believed that we're in. Um, we were ranked poorly, in my opinion, in that, in that first ranking, at least poorly from a standpoint of having a chance to get in in the playoffs. Uh, we were 18th, I believe. We were on the outside looking in, and so at that point it was a mad scramble for me. And I started with top 10 programs. I, I was looking for conference champs who had nothing to lose, um, at least for playoff uh, purposes, you know, a top 10 that would play me because we'd be a good competition game for them uh, to help them get ready. But if they happened to lose, they'd still be in the playoffs. Of course, I struck out miserably trying to find a team in that category to play us. And I mean, it was, it was just, just, you know, working the emails and the phone and finally Oklahoma Panhandle state um, put an ad out on the scoop and we jumped all over it. And uh, 10 days later, we're on a bus for, for the Panhandle. And so uh, that, that game, we felt like, you know, it's not a top 10 program. They had a losing record. But what they did have was, you know, they, they had played well against ranked teams in their conference. And so we felt like at least we're going to be able to give the rating committee some comparative data, you know, when, when we play a team that's competed against other ranked teams, um, if we can play well, we can show that we belong in that mix. And so that was kind of the, the strategy there. March 27th, we went down there and had a, had a great game, played really well. You know, our guys came out of hibernation, essentially, with very little prep time and knew what was at stake and, and took care of business with, you know, it's a long bus ride. <laughs> we did it on, on the on the tight budget, so we, we, we left and in midday and you know i barely fed them you know it was one of those trips where four to a room and we're gonna we're gonna make this as affordable as possible to make it work usually you don't budget in spring football games uh that are 11 hours away so but the, the weekend turned out to be very productive and um ultimately i think it played a part in us getting in one thing that really stood out to me when i was looking at your team in 2020 as compared to 2019 was just the huge step forward that Noah Clayberg took uh, in the passing game. I mean, he was a great runner in 2019 with 11 touchdowns and almost 900 rushing yards. But you had a passer there who had the same amount of touchdown, touchdowns as interceptions and less than a 50% completion percentage. Um yeah. You, he turns around in 2020. He's tossing it 20 points higher completion percentage wise, 
has the same number of interceptions but more than doubles his touchdowns and almost doubles his passing yardage. Talk about the, the what that meant to your team. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody that, that played us knew that uh, that was our, our biggest weakness as, as an offense and probably what, what kept us um, out of the playoffs that year. Noah and our offensive coordinator, Coach Mingo, and I'm the quarterback's coach, so I guess I'm, I'm part of that as well. We all kind of put our heads together and just said, this is what's holding us back. Let's get this figured out. Um, when it's not going well in the passing game, it's really easy just to look at the quarterback and say, man, his numbers are, are not where they should be. Well, there's systems that are, are equally, if not more, responsible you know, for uh, making sure that that quarterback's comfortable. Um, you know, we had to adapt. We had to adapt some schematics, which we did. Um, and then Noah just committed himself to an offseason of making it a priority. And, uh, you know, he was just, he was an incredibly effective runner um, running our option scheme this season. But uh, that hard work that he put in as a passer in, in the offseason was incredible. And I think that in combination with putting together systems that, that fit him, that he was comfortable with. Um, and, you know, we brought him in and we, we asked him, what are you, you going to love doing? What do you, where do you love to put the ball? What's your favorite kind of throws make? You know, how do you like to read things? And then we, we kind of built that around him and what a difference it made. I mean, it, it, it's one of the biggest reasons we were scoring the points we were and, you know, winning the games the way we did. Coach, let's talk about, and I know that, Stats are are somewhat a part of what you look at. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the the wins and the losses. But let's talk about uh, your your defense, especially your rush defense. Um, that blew school records out of the water. This was your best total defense by a hundred yards per game in school history. Talk to me about what made this defense special. Man, they're they're fun to watch. They. They also led the country in sacks um, with 42 sacks in 11 games. And so uh, I think I think what happened was we, we just, we've just been getting better and better. I know that's uh, oversimplifying uh, everything, but, uh, you know, since Coach Nutt has gotten there, I mean, we gave up 42 points a game five years ago. And I don't even want to say how many yards. Um, and we've just continued to tweak. I mean – one of the things that I think is true of our, of our program and our coaches is that whatever we're doing really, really well, we don't, we don't stop and just say, well, we kind of got that one figured out. Let's just move on to the next thing. We're, we are just hungry to keep honing and fine-tuning. And that's what's, that's what's been going on with our, with our defense. Um, Coach Nutt has done a great job with that group. And then more veteran players on the field. I mean, David Kakmarinski is as good a D-lineman, I think, um, as you're going to find um, at our level, and you know him as a senior anchoring uh, for us on the B gap was incredible. Josh Morazic is a is a senior Mike linebacker who just made everything right. Um, Nathan Cabongo, you know, hardly got thrown at at, at corner all year, um, and so those guys. I mean, more than most programs because of where we were, those guys all played, you know, as freshmen and. You just count up how many football games those guys have played. It's incredible. And so from an experience standpoint, our defense was 
unlike most with with just the experience that they had. Similarly, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, other than other than Clayberg, obviously Clayberg is is the big piece, but uh, you know, Ski Bouton and and Jungling really uh, were were great. Uh, you, you know, you set records, or you were second in school history in uh, in most of your categories, rushing or passing. Um, you know, Alex Heisman is a is a back to back all conference offensive lineman. Um, talk a little bit about your offense and what you've got coming back. For our offensive system, it really starts up front, and we had four returning starters on the O line. One true freshman that that started for us, who's Parker Beck, is just a very uh, talented and unusually ready freshman uh, to play. Um, so we had a lot of experience on the O line, and that that really I think was the starting the starting point for us. Um, you know, you mentioned Levi Jungling and how, how much of a steady he's been in our explosive arena of our passing game. Um, you know, our backfield was was by committee, and uh, there was not other than our quarterback rushing. There there was not one guy that you know was far and above the others. There was just a great effort by many many different guys, which allows you to stay fresh. But when we think about the future and next year, um, Noah's uh, college football career has come to an end. Uh, it's been a, a, a great run for him, first at the University of Iowa and finishing at Dort. And, um, so we're all we're all sad to see that end, but uh, good things do come to an end eventually. And then, uh, yeah, we, we have pretty much our, our offense is coming back. There's uh, the entire offensive line will be back. You know, our tight end, we had a tight end that was a freshman last year that really started to come on as the year went on, and he'll be a sophomore. You know, of course, we have Levi back for his extra bonus year as a grad student. So, really, uh, other than Noah, our offense is mostly intact for uh, for the 2021 fall season. Yeah, I have Hayden Large down here with five touchdowns on only 228 yards. That's that sounds like to me that like he's a he's a red zone mismatch. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, and, and we, uh, you know, he's a guy that didn't have a senior year of high school football. He had an injury. And he played fullback and linebacker in high school. And all of a sudden, he grew. He grew he's 6'5", probably 230. And, and uh, when we started recruiting him, he, he did not – that we didn't we weren't even recruiting him as a tight end. Um, and so everything he did as a tight end this year was the first time he's ever done it. He's never caught a touchdown pass in his entire life. And he, he caught five of them this year. So his future is really exciting. So going into next year – you know, you have these spring games and these playoffs. How does that play with your schedule in trying to adjust back and being ready for fall? Yeah, I know that's a that's a concern um, that we've talked about as a staff. Um, you know, I, I think when I boil it down, there's a reason why football is played half the year. Um, in college, not not year round, right? This year we kind of adapted that, um, pushed the limits a little bit. We normally practice 15 times in the spring, and then we play an inter squad spring game. That's the norm. Uh, this year, we probably had about 10 more practices than that, and we played two football games. So, at least with our program, yes, it was more than we usually do, but it wasn't it wasn't a full season. 
And so I'm not saying that there won't be any adaptation. We, we have given our guys um, a couple weeks where we've really encouraged them to rest and recover and, and uh, you know, stay off some of the deep, heavy lifting that we're going to get to. But we really wanted to give them time to recover. You know, other than that, our, our summer programming and, and plan is, is, is somewhat normal for us. I think there's some teams that had longer – spring seasons you know some some teams play their their entire season in the spring i think they're in an entirely different spot than we are um you know we played two games and and uh, if anything those were great preparations for for the fall I, i'm not saying i'd wish most most springs to have actual games the way we did this year i think that would be too much but um for us at least i don't think it was it was so much that we have to make massive adaptations I'd be curious to, to hear, you know, you're going to talk to schools that did play all spring. Um, I imagine it's going to be very different for them. Yeah, I, I know probably closer to the start of the season, we're going to we're going to talk to, you know, Chris Oliver and Lindsey Wilson. And I'll be real interested to see, you know, how they fare being a spring team who went the distance. That'll be interesting. So well, I, I I think they do need to make some adaptations. You know, if, if we were in that spot, we would our summer would look differently. So, so last year we talked about turning around a culture of, of two and nine, um, and and make and and building that industry standard. How have you talked to your players about building on last year and taking it to the next level? I think we've uh, we've really just tried to stay consistent with our message. That's, I think the one lesson that from from the beginning is, you know, I think there's a, well, I, I know there's a, a compelling story why you'd want to attend Dort University. There's a compelling story of why you'd want to be in our football program and in our locker room around the kind of men that we have. And, you know, one of the results of that, of that story and the way we do things is that we're going to have more and more success on the field. We just believe that. And, and so for us, it's, it's really, um, I think it's significant when you go, like you said, two and nine to eight and two, make the playoffs. That's a, that's a very significant achievement, and we're very uh, proud as a program and excited that that's happened and thankful for that. But I really think the greatest challenge um, in development of a program is, is how, do you, how do you go from, I guess now we're ranked 15th, you know, how do you, how do you crack a top five? Um, how do you make a playoff run? How do you be a, a championship-level program? To me, that's a much harder hill to climb than the, the one we've climbed the last five years. And so um, it's going to take, um, a, I guess, a mixture of do what got us there, and it's also going to take a, a renewed commitment and a renewed vigor in our program that complacency will not be a, a part of our program. And I've been around teams before that felt pretty good about themselves and maybe struggled with the idea of taking the next step. Well, that, that won't be, that's not going to happen in our program um, because we're, we're aware of it and we, we've talked about it. Um, I, I can already see it in, in our guys' eyes as they, as they work this summer that uh, that's not going to be, that's not something that they're going to allow happen to their team. Before I let you go, we, you know, you talk a lot about the industry standard um, you know, that's, that's your, that's your messaging. That's your, that's sort of your row the boat. 
how much does it help seeing teams like Northwestern and Morningside every year? You know, heck, where you're in the same county, you share a Walmart with Northwestern, as we talked about, uh, you know, a year ago. How much does seeing what they do uh, really help you drive towards uh, that industry standard with your team? Well, I, for one, am very thankful that we play in the conference that we do because we know that uh, there's a tremendous preparation for a championship level. Um, when, when you get through the GPAC, uh, I guess I'll put it this way. We, we played the number two team in the country in the first round, and they were awesome. Okay, But we were absolutely physically ready. Um, didn't, didn't have a great finish to the game, but I was proud of our team for the way we came out in that game. And it was, it was another GPAC light game for us. And so I'm very thankful for the quality of opponents that we have in our conference. Um, that said, um, industry standard, uh, kind of at, at the core, it, it, it means that we want to set the bar and the way that we intend on setting the bar is in some unique things. Uh, we're really not looking around at other elite programs and saying, okay, let's see if we can just do what they do and, and, and just do it a little bit better. I mean, that's, that's a admirable strategy, but that's really not what we're up to. I think uh, to us, industry standard means that we, we've got some core values and some principles of things we want to set the bar at. We talk about honoring God. Uh, we want to play a different style of football than other programs. We want to build men. You know, we want our guys to leave uh, changed. We want our guys to leave with uh, experiences that will transcend the game and, and be useful in all areas of life. We want to compete fiercely. We just want to compete in a way that almost defies logic, uh, that, that people would compete as hard uh, as our guys do. And then we want to have impact. We call it kingdom impact. We want to, our program to, to be a a positive uh, instrument of change in our community, and we want to we want to bless people that come watch us play. We want them to feel inspired, and so those are the, that's what industry standard football is. I'm glad you asked about it because um, you're right; it is kind of the heartbeat of what we do. And uh, you know, I think the byproduct of doing those things well, in my experience, has been you get to start winning games and you, you get to go to the playoffs. So. We're, we're not done yet. We're, we're going to keep on moving and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens next fall. I think our guys are, are excited. It's going to be a short summer season. It's, it's going to come up on us quick, but our guys are without a doubt that I can already tell the excitement to get after it, see what we can build upon for next year. I, I know I can't wait to, to see it. I can, I can hear the hunger in your voice for it. Um, you know, and it's, it's just going to be a really interesting you know, 2021 season. So we look forward to watching some Defender football, uh, you know, this fall and seeing what y'all have to offer. Corey, thanks. It's great to talk to you and uh, wish you guys all the best.